Shit Boogie in full effect mode. Bundown is the sound. You know how we do. Today we have a special guest in the lounge space. First time ever in the lounge space. None other than the man himself. Mastermind. What's good, man? What's going on, sir? How are you? All is gravy. All the gravy. It is great to have you in the lounge space. First time. Uh, not. I think I think we tried to get you in here in the past, but I mean, it, it was no stress because then you eventually get you in here. No doubt. <laughs> I can't remember last week, so I have no idea how long ago you're talking about. <laughs> you're a busy man. You're a busy man. Now, for, for anyone who's not familiar with Mastermind, I think that one of the reasons why I wanted to get you on is because with Hip Hop 50 and everything, you've had a very, very indelible print on hip hop in Canada. For so sure. I, it just made sense, you know, other than the fact that that it's great to hear your story first off. <laughs> You know right. what I'm saying? But it just it just made sense. So we always start off every episode by asking our guests the same thing. How are okay. you introduced to hip hop culture? Wow. So I was a young kid. I, I yeah. assume mo I assume most people that get introduced to, you know, their their genre of music, it happens at a young age or whatever, but I um discovered it through breakdancing uh here okay. in Toronto. Here in Toronto. Okay. Yeah, uh, you know, going downtown, uh, one of our big malls downtown called Eaton Center. Eaton Center. And you're down there shopping and doing whatever you're doing <laughs> as a kid. So I was probably like 12, maybe 11 or 12 downtown with a friend. And um, outside Eaton Center was just a bunch of people. And we obviously gravitated towards that to see what was going on. And it was a bunch of dudes breakdancing. Obviously, never seen that before. You have no idea what it is. Um, but you're just captivated by it. And so, you know, we watched this for however long hours it was on and it stuck with me and, you know, it made a pretty, pretty big impression. Music, the the dancing of it, um, just, you know, just all of it. So, you know, beyond those days, same day and further, I was kind of trying to figure out how I could discover more, you know, this is obviously way pre-internet so it's like how do you there's no ways really to to find it you know what i mean so <clears throat> excuse me um i just happened to uh run into somebody in the neighborhood who was walking around with a boom box playing you know whatever at the time i guess funk or whatever it was at the time hip-hop and uh had enough courage to ask them hey wh where do you hear like where could i hear this stuff and and um they told me about a radio station uh which ended up being a college radio station here in toronto um 88.1 ckln hey and a, show, and a show called the fantastic voyage which was hosted hey. by ron, ron nelson yes sir and right and so uh once i discovered how to listen to that because in you know 83 or 84 or whatever it was um uh the signal wasn't strong. I think they only had like 50 watts or something like mm -hmm. that. So you really had to get creative on, you know, how mm -hmm. your radio was able to, um, to listen to this radio station. So anyway, long story short, started listening to the radio show and just completely fell in love with hip hop from there. Yes. It's, it's, it's a story that, I mean, the, one of the biggest commonalities that, that I think is obvious just from, from meeting, you know, you've been in the industry long enough, you meet enough people, you know, the commonalities that, that we all have are, are, 
a lot more than than we realize and that's definitely one of them you know that that introduction that first introduction to the culture you got me asking though man did you did you start to practice yeah, I actually did okay, all of okay, it. So okay, I, okay, I, I, okay. I, I, I break dance, you know, okay. to the best of my ability. <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I did graffiti. Uh, you know, I, I drew graph, and I, yeah, yeah. I think I paint. I painted a wall once terribly. Um, uh, later on in life, I, you know, I, I became a rapper, and I, I did that. I was a producer. Obviously, I've been a DJ. So I've kind of dabbled in every facet of hip hop culture um in one way shape or form um uh, I, I mean uh, yeah you know as a, especially as a kid you love everything about that you know so yeah. i would i would be on my driveway i'd you know somehow get a find a giant box of cardboard and, <laughs> there you go and just and just try to do whatever i can i also remember you know we had a vcr and i would just sit in front of the tv and when the mm. breakdancing explosion happened, I would just try to sit there and record everything yeah. I could, whether it everything. was a commercial or, you know, a clip from a movie um, or whatever. Whatever I could find, I was just, comp you know, making a compilation VHS tape of yep. all breakdancing. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, and whatever else of the culture. It's just it's yeah. one of those things. Again, as a kid, you get obsessed with it. When you fall in love with something, you get obsessed with it and you just want to either you know do it all the time or learn more about it or be involved in it and so yeah no i, I definitely dabbled in all that what kind of music were you growing up around at home not really anything i mean you okay. know my parents are east indian so they mm -hmm. were you know they're they're watching bollywood movies or Indian yeah, yeah, movies yeah. or whatever so and that that really none of that interested me um so i was basically um force fed whatever I was able to find on the radio. And, mm -hmm. you know, again, in the eighties, there wasn't, aside from, you know, Ron's show, there wasn't any um, regular radio that was even yeah. remotely playing hip hop. So I grew up, you know, as a kid listening to top 40, um, you know, whatever, you know, I'm trying to think back to like grade seven and, you know, it was like a new wave. So like whatever much music was playing, or actually I don't even know yeah. if much music was around, but whatever yeah, was being know. played on TV or <laughs> yeah. on the radio, right? So like Thompson Twins and yeah. Howard Jones and all this, you know, UK new wave stuff or whatever. And then, you know, whatever pop rock stuff that they would be force feeding me and stuff until I was able to understand the concept of, you know, going to a store and maybe spending my allowance money on 45s or whatever it was that I wanted. Um, you know, I, I do recall one of the first 12 inches I bought that even was remotely close to being, um, I guess, considered hip hop or whatever was Jermaine Stewart, The Word Is Out. Hey. And, and, and that <laughs> song in particular, even though it was kind of like a crossover pop R&B mm. song, mm -hmm. there was a remix version yep. that started off with yep. these drums and these horns. Yep. And DJs used to loop that and kids would break dance to that. And so that's the reason I bought hey. that 12-inch. It wasn't like, oh, I love this song. It was just there was this drum loop with horns at the beginning, and that's what uh, I wanted to, to break dance too. So I would make pause tapes or whatever and just loop there that over go. and over and over. There you go. Um, and then it kind of went from there. Then I just started, yeah. you know, discovering other places to buy 12 inches. And again, as a kid, before knowing anything, all you know is Music World or Sam the Record Man or mm -hmm. whatever, you know, and they're not, they're not going to be bringing up those import 12 inches no. that Ron would be playing. Yeah. They're bringing up 
the crossover records, yep. the you know, the Lisa Lisa and the cult jams, the, exactly. What you know, whatever sell? the what would sell. Yeah. What so it you know it took it took it, it took a long time to learn where to go and find records, and those stores were obviously downtown. Um, yep. You know, listening to Ron's show obviously helped. I I had oh. hundreds of tapes of you know recordings of Ron's show and stuff. So all of that but again you know we we came from a gen well at least i did anyway because i'm old as shit but we came from a generation of it wasn't accessible you know like i think about yeah, what the I'm, kids I'm... have to, to, what, the, what the kids have today at their fingertips mm. versus versus what we had to do to try to mm. you know find the culture that uh, again that we fell in love with it was very very different that's no joke man that's no joke yeah i mean and I, I remember, I remember the struggle of trying to get music. You know, especially when you're younger, you don't necessarily know about, you know, all the ways you could get music back then. So you know, you're just a kid. You're just like, well, how am I supposed to get this music though? You know what I mean? Right, right. No, for sure. So you, you've dabbled a little bit in in all different parts of of the culture. Now, yeah. When it when it comes to the music itself, because at the end of the day, your your foray into the music is 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 why we're here right now what was it about the music man what was it about the music that spoke to you what was it about like I, you didn't you didn't fall in love with punk you fell in love with hip-hop yeah so i can't explain it i really can't like i've been asked this question a bunch of times and it's so hard to put into words like i always think about it like you mentioned punk right so i think about mm you know, the kids who f fall in love with punk or they fall in love with grunge or they fall in love with country or they fall in love, whatever they fall in love with, what is it about those things that attracted them to that, that mm -hmm. I wasn't attracted to or whatever. But I wonder if it's just a circumstance, right? Like, again, I didn't live in, uh, you know, I, we, I grew up in the suburbs. Like, yep. it wasn't like I grew up yep. around all that type of stuff. Exactly. So it's like, I, I really just, I kind of circle back to, that that one experience outside Eden Center with the break dancing and it yeah. just you know you just it just hits you and you're like this is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life like imagine I went and you know I I don't know I saw the Sex Pistols one day performing outside of a club somewhere or, or outside of a mall or something maybe <laughs> things would have been different I don't know yeah, right yeah, like, yeah. I have no idea I'm just saying this in this particular instance it was that thing and uh it stuck with me and then the other you know just to add on to it once i discovered it and i tried to source it out like i had you know older cousins who were into that stuff and mm. they were surrounded by that into their schools and what they had it like one of my closest cousins was a kid in brampton mm -hmm. and he was a little older than me so him and his friends were all into break dancing and basketball yeah. and the music and they were yep. getting yep. tapes from new york and stuff like that so yep. he would be he would feed me stuff as well so it was just, and I think my older sister was into it too. Like she, you know, got into it as well. So it was just kind of those things. The other side of the coin is, um, at least from my experience, is we had a lot of Caribbean friends, and yep. the cult, and and their culture is so intertwined. At least in in Canada, right, or well, Toronto, mm -hmm. because the West Indies it's culture tight. is so prominent. Yeah. Whereas in the states, when you think about um, what you you know U.S. kids grew up with for the most part, their parents are going to be playing blues and soul and R&B yeah. and funk yeah. and all that. And that's what they grow up with. But here, you know, we grow up with, um, or at least when you're surrounded by that, you're, you exactly. know, you're growing up with dance hall and reggae yeah. and, and, and those type of influences. Yep. So our friends, you know, again, a lot of my close friends are, are Jamaican 
And so mm -hmm. that culture resonates with what we're doing. And again, Jamaican is uh, Jamaican culture is um, one thousand percent intertwined into the DNA. Oh. When, you factor, when you factor in, Hell you know, yeah. guys like when you factor in guys like Cool Herc, who Hell yeah. you know who are credited with you know the creation of hip hop, if you will um and him being uh from jamaica so so those things are all intertwined and whatnot so it's hard to go back and say why or mm -hmm. what it was specifically that um i got captivated with i just know yeah. that i did that's it i really can't i can't put it into words or explain it you know uh, i'll be frank with you man after having asked this question of a lot of people i've started to develop a little bit of a theory it doesn't apply to everybody I mm -hmm. think that it applies a lot more to if you grew up in in, in a you know ethnic uh, a culturally ethnic background you know sure if you had a household where you know culture was thick after like a million conversations I really started to look for a deeper commonality apart from just you know having like homies or just being around it and if you look at some of the if you look at the demographics of of people who really really like fall in love with hip-hop especially back then one commonality that that seems to be apparent is that all these cultures had drums that were very apparent in their own native music mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying sure yeah and and after i mean I, i'm telling you i've asked this question of so many people and after after listening to so many times you really start to think about well, what's the deeper thing like what is there's something deeper here that's going on and it, it, i start to think about it I'm like you know what a lot of the cultures have drums in their own native culture that are very prominent in their own native music just a theory yeah i don't know if that's necessarily it for me just a theory yeah I, you know i mean it's hard to say because you know in in my in my culture you know the tablas are the drums yeah you know, tablas yeah. didn't really get introduced to hip-hop until decades no. later you know what i mean like no it's so, that rhythm that rhythm as, as, yeah so as much as there's a rhythm I, you still don't correlate it at that time because it's mm. just so it's just just such an ethnicity to it mm -hmm, so i'm not mm -hmm. i'm not listening to any bhangra type music and going right yeah, there's there's a beat here that i could see someone rapping on like that someone discovered that slowed it down sped it up whatever they did and then they right. figured that out later you know what i mean yeah um but i hear you but i don't, I don't mean you know i can't it's not applicable to all situations yeah no yeah. and and it's it's pure theory it's just after after you hear the answer enough times you really start to start to think about a little bit deeper you know what i mean you know, for me, another thing that was a, a big kind of aha moment was when I learned about breakbeats. So I would listen to hey. the hip hop that was being made um, and not quite, you know, obviously you don't understand how it's uh, from the from the from the blueprint, how it's being made. You know, you listen yep. to early, early Molly Mall records and, you know, he's using a drum machine yep. and, you know, turntables to do cutting and scratching. But yep. but hip hop back then was very rudimental. Like if you listen mm -hmm. to if you listen to um like even one of the first albums i ever bought full-length albums was ll cool j's radio in 85. yes yes and if you listen to that entire album it's really only bare drum bones. machines yeah bare bones. And, and little stabs here and there and cuts and yep. scratches yep um we, we know with the exception of maybe rock the bells that had the go-go samples and whatnot and the guitar mm -hmm. notes and stuff it's still really very very bare bones sparse yeah you know it, it, it's nothing more than drum machines and you know L, um run dmc same thing all of that yep. early hip-hop it's all drum machines yep. and then molly mall started 
figuring out and, and a few other producers, you know, Hitman Howie T and, yep. um, you know, Herbie Azor and these guys, they figured out. Hey, I'm uh, glad you mentioned these names. <laughs> yeah, well, they, they, they figured out sampling yeah. more musicality stuff. You know what I mean? Yes, yes. And that's why a lot of it, a lot of people, you know, credit those years as the golden age. Like when you think about 86 to maybe 96 or 97, Definitely. like those, Definitely. you know, that 10 year, that 10 year period is very, very instrumental with being the golden age because hip hop, not only um, was it fresh and new, but it was, it was evolving during those times. And you could hear the the evolution of it musically and lyrically, even like 86, um, you know, like when LL started rapping, like he changed, how that sing-songy rap was happening. Like there was yeah. a sing-songy rap and LL's changed that. And then, mm -hmm. you know, in 80, 86, 87, um, you know, KRS-One, Big Daddy Kane, Rock Kim, these guys came out in hip hop. Lyricism changed yep. overnight. It was like a 180 mm -hmm. degree pivot. You know what I mean? So, and then yep. so on and so forth. Like as it continues that way, there's always these these people that come and, and, um, uh, and, and elevate and change the sounds and whatnot um but those early days like when i learned about sampling it was crazy because you know i'd have someone play a record for me and you'd be like oh shit that's where they got that from and you never think about it you know what i mean um, but yeah. once you start learning that then you start sourcing records and then your brain starts going how can i use this to make something or this is what they did what what else can i do um to to do that and that's what helped um spark my producing uh phase if you will you know what i mean when yeah, i wanted yeah. to start making when i wanted to make beats and and try to be a producer and all that stuff so um yeah hip, just, just everything about hip-hop is super dope it's like you can't be mad about it and i think one thing that that you and i can can like easily take to the bank is we've had the 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 distinct pleasure of being able to watch the culture grow up in canada i mean to, to see where it came from. It's very, very humble beginnings. I mean, it, I mean, you know, we can go on about, you know, where it's not quite where it needs to be just yet. And that's fine. Hip hop as a genre is still a very, very young music. Yeah. Very, very young. And I think we, I think we, we, uh, we expect too much from it too soon. It's a very young music in comparison. Yeah. I mean, 50 years sounds long, but it's, yeah, but it's not. really not. No, no, it's not. I mean, I'm 51. So, I mean, when you think about, you know, when I was probably like 18, you say to yourself, man, 50 is so old. And now that I'm in that age, right. Room, You're like, what? Like, I'm like, <laughs> what's that? I mean, it's, it's, it's old, but it's not old. Like the way we thought it would be, you know yeah. what I mean? So, yeah. um, you're, you're absolutely right. When you say, uh, in the grand scheme in the big picture, like hip hop is still very young. It's not yeah. obviously in its infancy by any stretch, no. but what we will say is in its short lifespan how it has become the global dominating genre thank you. Thank is you. um is is quite amazing when you think about like i don't want to sound like a dick or whatever because maybe i don't have the facts but i don't imagine there's people all across the globe making country music thank you you know what i mean i don't that's imagine, not being a dick that's facts right I don't imagine that there's people around the globe in different languages making punk rock. I mean, there's going to be regions that do that, but it's not global. Whereas you could go to every corner of the planet at this stage and there's somebody rapping in Hindi and Punjabi. There's somebody rapping in 
uh, Spanish. There's somebody rapping in Portuguese. Yeah, it doesn't matter in Russian and whatever. Like every language has adopted hip hop and rap. Thank you. In some in some way, shape, or form. You know what I mean? So exactly. Uh, again, if you go to Europe, especially like their hip hop culture is crazy. Oh my god, it's it's crazy. And you know, thankfully that that culture exists because yes. our our legends actually have the ability to have yeah. and have longevity and careers yeah. and perform and be. tour. And again, they don't have be. to be out here selling out, you know, 18,000 seat arenas, no. but they're doing, you know, thousand people shows and they're getting like, you know, 15, 20 of those is a tour. And yep. that, that's a year's worth of, you know, work for them. And they get yep. to continue doing the thing that they love. Right. And it's not, exactly. you, don't have to, you don't have to come back home and do your day job. You're doing your, that you're doing that thing. So again, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's amazing how hip hop has taken a stranglehold of the entire globe. Mm. And it started in its humble beginnings at, uh, you know, 1520 Sedgwick in that little rec room back right. in 1973. And I was fortunate enough a couple of weeks ago, I was in New York and we yeah. were taking in a bunch of hip hop 50 stuff. Yeah, yeah. And uh, me and my my uh, uh, close friend, we went to 1520 Cedric and we went to that building and we got inside that building and stood Damn, in front of like the Mecca. in front of that. It very much is the pilgrimage, if you want to yeah. think about it. If Everyone's got to make culture. the pilgrimage. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, we were fortunate enough, like, the, obviously, it's it's still a, a, a working housing building. Like, it's a, it's not like yeah, it's it just is. some museum. Right. And we somehow and finessed our way building. inside. Yeah, yeah. No, for sure. And we finessed our way inside and we stood up against the, the rec room doors and took pictures. Oh, and it yo. was um, it was a very goosebump kind of moment. Right. Because, okay, again, okay. again. So if I would, you know, for the better part of my, you know, my life, like for 37 years, I've been into this culture and to go stand um, in this area where it was created, like your brain just is like, holy shit, man. Like, mm -hmm. I this is where it started. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And so, mm -hmm. um, yeah, and it was very surreal. It's, it's wild because I'm sure, I'm sure when you were younger, I, 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 like, I mean, I could be wrong, but did you foresee you and I having this conversation today about hip hop? No. I mean, dude, <laughs> I can tell saying? you, I can tell you even, <laughs> even 15 years ago, someone had come to me and said two of the biggest hip hop and R and B artists on the planet, would be from Toronto, I would have fucking laughed hysterically, right? Mm. Because it's just an unfathomable thing. Again, being a part of the Toronto and larger scale Canadian hip hop scene for the better part of mm. 37 years and seeing where it started to how it's evolved oh, and yeah. where it is, you you wish for those things. Yep. You know, like when Cardinal achieved his success yep. in 07, um and and even prior to that because i mean he he got signed earlier but dangerous yeah. was really the one that was the that one. that topped the billboard charts that really mm -hmm. was a life-changing song from so oh yep. six oh seven or whenever that time frame was you sat back and you were like oh shit it it happened but that was one level of success yep you know what drake and the weekend have achieved is a whole nother is it is a whole nother thing whole nother. right so again if if anybody had said that you know that that was going to be a thing you know prior to it becoming a thing i would never have believed it and i'm glad it is a thing because now Thank kids, you. yeah 
kids have something to look for. Like they exactly. grow up. It, I, I equate it to, um, to Vince Carter being on the Raptors prior to Vince Carter being on the Raptors and, and taking the city um, to the heights that he did as a professional NBA player, but also representing Toronto and, and yeah. the entire country. Yep. It had kids thinking that that could be that me. Could be me. Exactly. So now in 2023, when you think about how many Canadians are in the NBA and the level of superstardom that they're achieving, Jamal Murray and um, Shai, you know, Julius Alexander and, and so on and so forth, like the, that would never have been fathomable in, you know, I go back to my cousin in Brampton, like he played basketball and I'm sure he had aspirations to go all the way. You know what I mean? Like he was a pretty good ball player and, mm-hmm. um, and that was his thing, but I can't imagine he was thinking or, he was thinking that it was a real thing. Like it was actually going to happen back in the eighties, you know what I mean? Or early nineties. Yeah. But then, then that shift happened and you're like, Holy smokes. So that's the same thing. When I think about uh, Drake and the weekend, they're giving these kids the, the glimmer of hope that, yo, if he did it. I can do it. Exactly. You know, obviously there's, there's a few more circumstances that are involved in both those artists successes yeah. and their stories. Yeah. But again, it's still, uh, something that you say to yourself this is achievable exactly that's that's completely right there and it's it's like from time i think it like i can't speak for for anybody else other than myself of course but from time it's been really easy to champion i mean when when an artist from canada like just blows the fuck up it's so easy to champion because you're just like y'all come on y'all he's from here y'all come on how are you not backing this guy you know what i'm saying how are you not backing this success how are you not backing the success but i mean you know it is what it is the hateration still continues regardless of where you're from so really (laughs) it really doesn't matter right it just it just boggles the mind sometimes i think i think okay as much as toronto has this screw screw face capital um you know, history and, and persona, I think a lot of it comes from, at least my perspective. Is, Shut up, Theo. Yeah. Yeah. We want to, <laughs> uh, we want to elevate above the mediocrity. We can't yeah. settle. We can't settle for second mm. best or second mm. rate. So it's like, if we're being hard on you, it's because, you know, it's not that we think, you know, you don't deserve it, but we don't think that you're there yet. You know exactly. what I mean? So exactly. if you're, if you're performing and your performance is subpar and all of a sudden they start booing you, it's not because they, well, I mean, part of it is they think you're not good or you suck or whatever, but yeah. a lot of it is like, don't suck. Yeah. You, you gotta, work I mean? like, be, gotta work on be, it. Like be, be better. Your song has yeah. got to be better. Your production's got to be better. Your concepts got to be better. And so again, when pe- uh, you go back to, you know, Shaq, Claire, Cardinal, Socrates, and these guys who start taking um, Canadian hip hop to another level. And then you, you fast forward to, guys like drake drake didn't become who he is because he was subpar he became who he is because this guy surrounded himself with the right people exactly and is just a hit making machine like this guy makes fucking hit records however he comes around and makes them whether it's you know being connected to the right artist being Mm. on top you know his a and r team around his close a and r team around him finding the right next lane or the next wave or whatever. He finds exactly. those things yeah. and he's, but you still have to make good songs. Oh. And if, and if you're not doing that, then you're not going to do it. And this guy just, his track record is unheralded. Like it's unmatched in the modern times of, 
of music. You know what I mean? So Most and then and then obviously the weekend as well. He's been killing it in his right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. One one thing you've also had the the opportunity to have is to watch the development of the, the music through radio. Like you've been there literally from jump yeah, on yeah. radio. And I don't even know if we can consider it development because this city's infrastructure or this country's infrastructure that's the is thing. so terrible. Yeah, that's like the again, thing. we we go back and we talk about this, this this genre is the global dominating genre, yet we don't have a black music, hip hop, R and B station in any of the major cities. You can go to um, the radio companies and say why, and they'll say it doesn't make money. The advertising <laughs> dollar, the support isn't there, and it's like, well, how is this billion-dollar business not making money? How are you not able to make money off of hip hop, but hip hop is making money hand over fist? So, oh, yeah. is it is it hip hop's fault? Is it the audience's fault who clearly is going out of their way to find mm -hmm. this music, or is it you guys and the managers and whoever oh, it's runs these it's companies? Sure. It's definitely systemic. There's oh, a, it's so systemic. <clears throat> there's a racism factor to it. Oh, the God, sales, yes. sales agencies and them not wanting to support it. You know, it's it's crazy. You think about the the kids who grew up with hip hop who now work at these advertising agencies. Thank and they're you. Using and they're using hip hop culture and and music to help sell their products, whether it's you know Everything. Kia or Oreo or Everything. yeah, the list is endless, right? The list is endless on how they utilize, um, you know, the music, but yet you have these companies that tell you that there's no money. You know, I worked at a radio station who eventually flipped their format from yep. hip hop and R&B to back to rock and pop or whatever, because they just couldn't make money and they couldn't figure out how to make money. And they had the wrong people <laughs> in the position. They had the wrong people in the positions. That's what it people is. Who don't, they don't, there's people who don't care and, you know, they don't go out of their way to help because this, they're not into it. You, you know, if you don't have, if you don't have the right team, and the right people running stuff, then it's never gonna it's never gonna be successful. That doesn't matter, and that that goes for anything. Whether oh, yeah. it's your sports organization or your car dealership, oh, or yeah. your or your you know your your app that you're building or whatever. Like you got to have the right people, right? So I kind of I kind of look at this country as sure. And the other the other thing is again, two of the biggest artists on the planet who make hip hop and R and B are from this country, and yet we do not have a single commercial major conglomerate playing hip hop and R&B. Now, the one thing I will say is finally a giant organization like Sirius XM has stepped up and said, we're, yes. you know, dedicating an entire channel yes. to Canadian hip hop and R&B. Um, and that's a big, big fucking deal. So I tip my hat. I tip my hat to Sirius XM. It's, it's one of those better late than never scenarios because yes. Again, it could have been done a long time ago, but they finally stepped up and they did it. And, um, you know, I think the channel is going to become one of Sirius XM, at least Sirius XM Canada's biggest channels eventually. It's still, when you talk about in its infancy, this thing is not even like, you know, seven months old or whatever. Right. So, yeah. um, you know, we, we, or I shouldn't say that it's actually, it's actually probably in its 10th month or 11th month, but okay. still, regardless, it's, it's still in its infancy mm -hmm. and there's a long way to go, but to finally they're giving a platform that's not just, um, local, it's a national and then it's international, international. because when you, when you think about Sirius XM and how they're, um, in all the vehicles and whatnot, that's yeah. North America, but then even further, when you factor in the Sirius XM app and their online platform, 
It is a global platform. So if you yep. are fortunate enough to get a song onto Mixtape North Channel 164 and Sirius XM, um, you're, you have the ability to be heard worldwide, which again is something that is never been done before. But at the same time, I look at the other big conglomerate media companies who won't even do that on a local level in any of the, the major cities, whether it's, yep. um, you know, Montreal, Toronto, yep. uh, you know, Winnipeg. And, yo, yo do, uh, do you, do you remember Winnipeg's attempt? Do you remember? Flavor yeah, but you, you gotta, you gotta, yeah, but you gotta take that with a grain of salt because whoever yeah. had the vision to do it, they realized that the, that particular um, station was off of a, um, uh, a native reservation, right? Yeah. So that that yeah. they were they were figured out a, a loophole in order to get that exactly kind of music music on the air. Yeah, and I still I I credit them for the attempt more so than try to ridicule them for doing it. Yeah, whether it was good or not, I don't know because <laughs> whether that was good or not, I have no idea because I never could hear that radio station. But what right. what I do take away from that is that there was somebody there in Winnipeg who said, "I'm going to do that." You know what I mean? Yeah. And there was people that backed them and supported them. And, you know, the other side of the coin is we live in a country where if you're into hip hop and R&B as a broadcaster, um, you have you have nowhere to aspire to. It's not like we have yeah. a hot 97 in every city and you're like, you. I'm going to go to broadcast school. And when sure. I graduate, I know where I want to go work. It's like here. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to go work at a country station, a pop station, a rock station, a talk station. There's no black hip-hop and r&b music stations yep anywhere for for a student to come out of school or you know and be like that's what i'm i'm striving to be when flow existed here in toronto there were kids that had their their ambition and their goal right. to exactly. finally be uh, on a station like flow and now that's gone um you know we do have vibe 105 here in toronto right. but it's not even it's not a commercial radio station no in the grand scheme of things um, and we do give opportunities and stuff, but it's like, like people aren't thinking that way. You know what I mean? And the teachers, what are the teachers in these schools teaching them? They're teaching them how to get on these pop and country exactly. and, and top 40 radio stations exactly. because that's all, that's all oh, that exists. Man. And that's all, that's all there is. Right. Yo, so. when I was, when I was in, when I was in Crecom, just looking at like the opportunities for radio is like none of this is interesting at all i don't even want to fuck with none of this shit you know what i mean right. like you're literally like just disheartened like well I'm and again cool so what the hell <laughs> in 2023 you know the stuff that's available at people's fingertips now can help kind of you know bypass all that shit but yep. at the same time why should anybody who wants to be a broadcaster or a radio announcer be deprived of yeah, being man. able to yeah, um, do what they love on a format that they love. You know what I mean? And I, and I have guys tell me all the time, hey, you don't get to choose where you, and that's bullshit because if you lived in the States and you were in a city and you have, you know, you have the option of six different radio stations that play all different types of genres, but yep. one of them happens to be R&B or hip hop, you can say, that's where I'm going to apply. Now, if you don't exactly. get the job there, then you can apply to another state because they have the same opportunity. Whereas exactly. here- if I want to, no. you know, if I want to work at a hip hop and R&B station, I got to apply to the States. And then there's a whole bunch of other crap that you have to deal with in yep. terms of visas. And if, you know, you fit what they're doing and blah, blah. So it's like, it's, it's very, it's very frustrating anyway. And on, on top of that, that's just talking about one market, Toronto. What if you're not living in Toronto? 
What if you want to be a broadcaster and you're living in like Chilliwack? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And like, what do you what do you have to aspire to? Do you necessarily no want to move to the? Would you want to move to the states and broadcast there? Not many people are trying to do that. I I mean I can't speak on that because I would take uh, you know if it was a good opportunity it presented itself and it was actually viable then yeah I mean I would I would move to the states I mean it's heads and shoulders difference in terms of um, you know what you're possibly capable of doing and achieving and your goals and all that type of stuff but again if we had those opportunities in every city yes. here and I can't imagine Chilliwack would have been one it would that's you know small to medium markets you have to go yeah. to the bigger markets to yeah. again apples to apples we're never going to have the, the same amount of you know black urban radio stations that exist in the u.s so we would have to focus on the vancouver's and the yeah the big the big you know the, yep, the, exactly. the calgary's and the edmonton's the big markets right like i but do we remember need more than back, one market uh, absolutely but if you go back to 2002 here's another thing a big part of it you know when we talk about the the radio side infrastructure then you also talk about the record label side infrastructure they oh, didn't work God. hard enough they yeah. didn't work hard enough to sign artists and develop them and turn them into the superstars that they did with their pop and their dance and their country and all that stuff. So again, Max. you go back to 2002, 2003, we had a hip hop station in Vancouver. We had a hip hop yep. station in Cal. We had two in Calgary. Yep. Mm -hmm. We had one in Edmonton. Mm -hmm. We had the one in Winnipeg. Mm -hmm. We had um, the one here in Toronto. And I can't remember if there was anything else. But my point is, we we were on our way but what and happened then. was radio stations couldn't fulfill the cancon requirements because exactly. there wasn't enough good cancon yeah. and so who do i do i blame the crtc for making all those uh, in a part i do i'm like okay this is a brand this is a brand new genre give it some yeah. slack don't make it have exactly. to adhere to the exact same let it build its way and say hey by you know if this is 2003 you say hey by 2010 the quota. yeah and by 2010 the quota is going to be up to where everybody else is when we know that the music is going to be there from exactly. a quality standpoint but they didn't do any of that stuff it was no. like oh no no you they were hard black radio and, yeah. and the other thing that the crtc did especially here in toronto is you know whenever they awarded um a new signal and it went to a black music radio station it was one of the worst signals that existed mm. it was a like you know flow's signal was shit from just the beginning a, just a sweet uh, 5105 again has had a shit signal from the very beginning yeah um when um, 98.7 got awarded their license they gave them a shit ass signal yep you know the, the great signals like the last amazing signal it went to the cbc and I don't find that to be a coincidence at all. You know what I mean? <laughs> no. and, uh, it, it's just, you know, we haven't been given the right, the same opportunities. And you go back to all yeah. that systemic stuff and it completely exists. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. And it, 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 it definitely speaks to the state of the music industry in 2023. But I mean, it is what it is. One thing I think that, that we've been able to do in Canada is just persevere and just keep going and just keep pressing and keep pushing for something better. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, no, totally. That's all we so really got, can do. Yeah, no, for sure. And, you know, again, I think the success stories that we do have, um, whether it be, you know, the, these podcasters and these media guys that are doing stuff on their own and developing big fan bases, or again, these artists that are, becoming superstars globally those are the stories that help continue to give hope and belief that we're going to continue and, and and build you know even even further as well i got a couple more minutes so i just uh wanted to no yeah where, no where we want to go 
No, definitely. We we ran a little over time, you know, but it was it was a very viable topic that that definitely needs to be spoken about. So I definitely thank you for that. It's been it's been gravy having you on, finally having you in the lounge space. And oh, I mean, with everyone who's with everyone who's been in the space, man, like it's 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 definitely not the last time. I know we'll have you in here again. Nah, for sure, man. I appreciate you Most having step. me. It was great, great conversation. And uh, hell yeah, congrats on, congrats on everything you're doing, man. Yo, congrats on you, man.